Welcome to Coffee, Chew, and a Chat. I'm your host, Sahir Gill. I'm a current professional hockey player and aspiring entrepreneur. Every episode features a conversation with a guest centering around their career, their passion, and the journey to discovering how to connect the two. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. If you're looking to discover your true calling, listen weekly to guests that were in your shoes and learn their story. Now to the interview. All right. Cool. Well, welcome back to Coffee Tuna Chat. This is episode four. Today, I'm joined by an individual that has a lot of current and future value for listeners of the podcast, a former hockey player with a major junior and professional career that spanned across the US, Canada, Russia, Sweden, and France. He transitioned out of hockey after the 2017-18 hockey season and has since built a flourishing career within social media, currently owning and operating his own TikTok brand agency, Barnett Media. JT Barnett, I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for coming on the podcast and shedding some light on an industry and content creation and branding that I think a lot of hockey players see potential in, but also probably have a lot of doubt about. Bro, I'm, uh, uh, I'm very grateful for you having me. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm really excited for this one. I think it's, uh, it's going to be good. Uh, I want to start you off with uh, maybe just describing kind of exactly what you do. I know you're involved uh, quite diversely throughout the social media industry. So just kind of a, a bit of an overview yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, I do a lot of different things. I'm somebody that just kind of like, it's hard for me to be single-minded and just focus on just one thing at a time. So even within my one company, I'm kind of dabbling in a lot of different areas. But the main common thread through everything is social media, particularly right now, TikTok, because we're at a time right now where TikTok is kind of the thing where everybody's placing their attention. So I'm a creator, first and foremost. I make videos that try to inspire people around business or education, culture, uh, the things that I really care about. And then the second thing is I actually have an agency, more of like a strategy team that goes and teaches companies how to do TikTok and advises on their strategy and like how they can create um, organically. And so I basically go around and just teach people what to do on TikTok and then go and make videos about it myself. That's kind of what I'm up to right now. Right. That's awesome. That's wicked. Um, You know, obviously, congratulations to you owning your own uh, agency. That's obviously something that takes a lot of work and and a lot of time. I know that you've put in uh, over the years just you know, testing things out through social media and you've kind of come to a place now where, um, you know, you obviously have a quite a presence in, in social media and being able to share that uh, and create a business around that. I think that's that's really awesome. Um, Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I really I want to talk to you about just kind of early adoption of social media influence. Uh, we've known each other a long time and and I remember you um, dabbling with MySpace and, and those kind of platforms back in the day. And I uh, just wanted to know if that was just something that you used to do for fun or did you see any advantages or saw um, the potential that it has now as a platform for business? I definitely, when I was in sixth grade, don't think that I saw MySpace as my next business potential. Uh, now, like the fact that one that you got to see me at that age when we were young and like hanging out through hockey and that I was at this summer camp spending a lot of my time on MySpace it really is like reaffirming to me that like I'm doing something that I should be doing because that was when I like thread back to why am I, where did it start for me to be doing what I'm doing right now? It was my space. I was the kid that was like meeting people and trying to add them on my space and building out and customizing all of my, my space. I loved it. It was my favorite platform. It still is like one that I look back at. It was so fun. <laughs> um, 
it, it, it for me back then it was just fun it was that's all it was was i'm a hockey player and i need things off of the ice that kind of in that same thing i was just saying like i can't it's hard for me to be single-minded i need things off of the ice that add to me on the ice and my space and connecting with people was one thing that really added to uh, my on ice and just like my enjoyment of what I was doing in my day to day. So that was just like a fun thing that I was doing back then. And then from my space, it went from my space to Facebook, Facebook to Instagram, and then Instagram to now TikTok. And that's kind of been like the, the segue into what I've been doing today. Right. Yeah, no, it was pretty wild times. I think just with our age group too, just kind of growing up with, uh, you know, more or less the internet. Right. And, and, growing up with social media and just seeing it kind of from the beginning. Um, and I think that that's a cool point that you make that, you know, you are doing the thing that you should be doing. Cause I always remember you being uh, a rock star, that kind of a thing. And, and it's something that um, from the very beginning, you've kind of seen the progression of social media from the beginning to where it is now. And obviously um, there's a lot more that you're capable of doing now than, than back then. But um, were you always like, as a, as a kid, you know, you talked about like, sixth grade that you're kind of getting into as a kid, were you super comfortable, um, outgoing, like, were you able to make friends easily, you know, talking to strangers, were you always, uh, always good with that kind of thing? I feel like, um, I feel like, yes, I was in the sense of, I just like people. Like, I just like meeting people and like making friends and like enjoying, like getting to know people. So I think that that was something that I was just kind of like born with, like, I just, I was middle child. I like, like just meeting like other individuals and just kind of like, uh, connecting. But, um, I don't think that that was, I, I also do think that I did have like a little bit of nerve. Like, I think I had nerves. I don't think that I was like the most outgoing kid in the world. I don't think that I was the kid that was like the class clown that could just kind of like go and do anything and have no like worry about how they looked. I definitely think that I had a little bit of that, but, um, I think that like the threat of just me being able to meet people is something that was, that was core to me. And I think that social media, when it came out, um, allowed people to do that without you being in the, the same place as them. And that's really what fueled me with MySpace and then Facebook and then Twitter and Instagram and all of that is the fact of like you being able to connect to people at scale is just like something that I just love so much. And still to this day, majority of the people that I meet now in my life are done through Instagram and Instagram DMs. That's how I make so many friends and then meet them in real life and we become homies. But I just think that core of like connecting with people um, and the internet allowing that to happen has been something that's been really beneficial to me. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's well put too. And I think for hockey players too, especially uh, back then, like for us to, to stay in touch, you know, I don't think texting was too huge at the time um and just you know you especially with hockey you, you meet people from so many different places and you get a chance to go around and play tournaments and and you got friends from the states uh all over canada you know maybe europe and those kind of things and to be able to stay in touch um at that time was was pretty fun you know i know that was uh for you and i that was kind a great of the only point. way that we were we were able to keep in touch with that at that point right so um great point it's a great point because i actually think that I don't think I was ready to leave home when I was 15. Like I went and played in the WHL. I don't think I was ready to leave home. I think I was a kid from Scottsdale, really close to my family, really close to my friends, had grown up with coaches that were like somewhat easy, not easy in the sense of like, they didn't push you at all. But like, I had never experienced a coach that was like a real hard ass. 
I went from being a 15 year old in Scottsdale to going and playing it for as a 16 year old for Don Hay, who was notoriously really hard on people to additionally, on top of that, moving in with a random family outside of Vancouver and a home that I had no relationship to or familiarity with. And I think that I really was missing my friends and my family back home. And I think that that's probably a reason why it pushed me so hard into social media and Facebook and that kind of thing was because it was my only connection. It was the way that I stayed in touch with all my friends and family and knew what was going on in the high school and all that, that was back home that I would have gone to. And so it's a great point. That's for sure. One of the reasons why I was so into it is because I was forced to. Right. Yeah. And funny you bring up Don Hay because we actually were both drafted by the Vancouver Giants. So I got to to see him in, in training camp a little bit. And he, he kind of had like, uh, he definitely a hard ass, you know, like he, uh, he was an old school kind of guy, very professional. I just remember his practices were just, the pace was insane. He kind of had like, uh, it seemed like the NHL and I know the WHL seems like that anyhow, just being, you know, 15, 16, but uh, it seemed like he, that's where he was coming from. It was like right out of the NHL and you kind of got that feel, um, you know? Yep. And so that, that there's a huge jump from, you know, minor hockey to, to that level. So, um, and that's kind of my, where I want to go with the next is, is you use social media while you're an athlete. Well, it was very unpopular to do. So was there any direction behind that? Or you just had fun doing it, or as you say, um, just a way to connect with people back home. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I, uh, I think that when I first started, it was literally just connection. It was just, um, it was a break from hockey. It was being able to keep in touch with my friends and family back home. And it was, I did actually really enjoy the fact that you can build, whether that's like build a MySpace and make it look cool or build a following and have people that are like interested in what you're doing. That kind of stuff was intriguing to me, but I don't think that I took it serious, like really serious until Instagram came out. When Instagram came out and I started seeing that people could actually build, it was the first platform you could build like a following, like a real following off of based around the things that you post that, that are of you. And so when I started seeing people on Instagram build followings, and that was like people that were celebrities or people on TV or whatever you followed on Instagram when it first came out, I started seeing that. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, this isn't just going to happen for people that are on Vine or that are like, you know, big YouTubers or that are big people, celebrities in real life. This is going to go at scale and anybody's going to be able to do this because everybody's spending time on this. That for me was like, all right, this is something that I think is going to be bigger that I want to start putting more attention to. And so when I was playing in, I was probably like 18 playing Kamloops or playing somewhere in the WHL 18 or 19 when I was like, all right, I'm going to start spending a lot of my time away from the rink, learning how to grow on this platform of Instagram. And that was really what became like the inception of like everything that I'm doing now. Yeah, that's really, that's really cool. Cause I, I know like for me too, you know, obviously being the same age, when that kind of thing was coming out, I mean, I was in college, you know, and which was a, a great opportunity to try and grow it, you know, but it was just so much hesitancy about, you know, really diving into it and actually learning about it, you know, and I think as you, as the years went on, you just automatically kind of knew about it because you're using the platform, whether you're, weren't, even if you weren't posting, you just, you know, just by being on it, you kind of picked it up, but um I kind of want to talk to you just a little bit because I think it's relevant to even now is just about posting uh, and creating content in season. You know, I, for me personally, that's something that I struggle with at times, you know, because I think uh, if you aren't playing well or the team isn't playing well, um, you know, you kind of have uh, you kind of hesitate a little bit to, to, 
to be out there and, and posting because a lot of For times sure. your content's not going to be, you know, just about hockey. It's going to be, as you say, you know, a little bit more about your personality. Um, and it seems like that you're showing that your focus isn't necessarily on, on ice performance, but I think you and I both know that having outlets away from the game can be very crucial for, for personal balance. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the origin of it is like, that's the way that we get to where players actually start feeling more comfortable posting is by understanding that posting shit about your regular life has absolutely nothing to do with your performance on the ice. So right now it's like, you can only post like you were just saying, it's hard for people to post when they're not playing good because they get judged that if they're focusing more on hockey or, or on extracurricular things and not hockey, that's why their performance is lacking. Whereas I would say in maybe like 1% of that hundred percent of people that are doing that, it is the case where those posts that they're making took away from their actual like effort in the sport. And so therefore it does directly translate for 99% of other people they have so much fucking time in their day that they can do other things outside of the sport that like you can only train so much. You can only push yourself in the arena so much before you need these other outlets, you know, to be able to go and do other things. And on top of that, everybody that's playing sports is still a human being that has other interests and other endeavors and other things that are going on in their life. So the first thing is just recognizing that everybody is a person and that like they should be allowed to post other things and that doesn't take away from them as their sport. The second thing is the other argument is, you know, it, I do think that it's up, it comes down to the person individually. So like if you're a player who doesn't feel comfortable posting when you're not feeling good, because you want people to know that you are focused on hockey, then do that. You don't have to post every single day. If you don't feel good with it, you want to post when you feel comfortable. And so if that's the case, then don't post. But at the same time, I think that I would recommend that players do go hard into posting and sharing that other side of themselves that is outside of the the arena, because that as a fan now is what I connect to. Like, I think I know enough about a player on the ice, their stats, what they look like in their uniform, how they score their goals, what those highlights look like. Like, I see enough of that to know about you. The part that's going to get me to really care about you as a player is going to be me seeing your what what kind of stuff you do off the ice how you prepare for games your family your friends the people you hang out with the places you go like that for me is like what rounds you out as a player and that for me is what i would follow as a consumer as an somebody that's a fan or somebody in the audience and so for me looking outside in i'm like if you're a player right now and you're trying to build an audience i would show all that other shit that you're not showing right now don't worry about what the people say if they're, if you end up going through a slump and you're still posting that shit and just like keep going hard in that because the people that really do care about that kind of stuff are going to ride with you through that wave. And that's the people that you want to be joining your community anyway. Right. And it's, it's a completely different landscape now, as far as the connection that you have with fans. Right. I mean, I think you know, at signings or just, you know, if you're going on the ice, a couple of fist bumps here and there, that was kind of the extent of it as far as interacting with fans. And that's, it's, it's really changed so much and with social media and it's just getting more and more, you're starting to see in the NHL level, you got cameras in the dressing room. Um, you're seeing yep. speeches from the dressing room. You're seeing, um, you know, guys after playoff games that are speaking directly on Instagram live um, to the fan base. And, and that's changed so much. Um, and I, I really like your I point about that. that. 
Yeah. And it's, and it really is cool. Right. Because even, I mean, as players, you know, we're all uh, still fans too. And, and kind of have that same perspective where it's just, it's just great to see that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, you're always interested and uh, like all or nothing or those type of, um, you know, shows, you know, who doesn't love watching that and getting a chance to, to, to see kind of what goes on day to day, especially if you're a fan of a team to really get to understand the the culture of a team and, and just your individual players. Um, and there's just that, I that, that, personal feel now right where you actually get to know a little bit more about uh about these players and, and kind of know like you said you know their friend, friends families their interests kind of what they're into and at the end of the day um you still got to perform and i think everyone knows that and you know i think you're right in the sense that um being hesitant just because a performance on the ice you know whether individual or as a team doesn't really matter because at the end of the day you still know that your job is to go out there and, and to play play your best, play your role and, and do what it takes to, to win. Right. And that doesn't change just based off of showing a little flair. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. I dude, I think that um, you should, if you're a guy that I think you should do whatever feels natural to you. So if you're a guy that likes to be heads down, not in front of the camera behind the scenes, and that just doesn't come natural to you. And you're just like, that's not my thing. Do that. But for all of the guys that are out there, that do like to have flair, which is actually a lot more than people think. Cause I know in being, being in those locker rooms, there's so many guys on the team that would be amazing on camera and aren't, <clears throat> aren't like guys that are egotistical and are like, it's just about me and I need to be in the camera. They're like just dudes that have good personalities that would be great on camera that people need to see, but they're not doing it because they think they need to fall in line with everybody else and be un- and be behind the scenes and not show face and not be an individual at all. And I don't think that that's the case. I think it should be individualized of whatever makes you feel and show up the best, do that. And I think that there's a lot of guys that would play a lot better if they were able to be a little bit more freer with the way that they did their content or their marketing or their brand or all of that stuff. They just would feel better about themselves. And so they would play better. Yeah, that's that's a wicked point. I mean, you just you know, you're, you're allowing yourself to be yourself. And, and I think it's, uh, it's so true. Cause you see anyone, if they get mic'd up, how many guys come over just to get, just to get a line in, just to get a little jab in, you know, just to be a part of it, just because, you know, of course that's fun, right? I mean, it's, it's no different than yep. in the dressing room when you're, you're bullshitting with the guys, you know, that's, uh, everyone's always chiming and everyone's a part of it. And it's no different when it comes, uh, to that side of things. Um, yep. And I want to talk uh, to you just about, about leaving the game and kind of talking about your transition now for, for life after hockey and kind of how you navigated that. Did you, did you have a plan before you left hockey uh, when you're starting out? Did you, did you start with a bang when you left the game or were there some unknown or uncertain times at the beginning? Um, I didn't know what exactly I was going to do in the sense of I didn't have like a job lined up or anything, but I knew that it was going to be social media. I did know sure my last year of playing was in France. And even before that, so my last two years I played in Russia and then the next year I played in France. When I got done playing in Russia, I was like pretty set that I was going to come back. I was going to be playing hockey for the next 10 years. I was going to probably try and get, I was, I was actually under the impression that I was like, I'm going to get an AHL contract. I just played some games in the KHL. I'm playing at the best, I'm like the best I've ever been in my life. I'm going to come back and get an AHL at least like a real shot at playing in the American League full time. And that's going to be like my next, you know, 10 year play. I came back. I not only did I not get a full-time AHL contract, but because we were kind of confident that it would happen by the end, my agent was telling me, this is going to happen. We're going to get you something by the end of the summer, you'll be signed. I didn't really pursue any ECHL teams to be like, if this all fails, I'm going to come to you guys. So I ended up with no AHL team and then no ECHL team 
So I had to go to an ECHL team on a tryout. And when I got there, they, I was there for two days and they were like, look, like we love you, but we're at capacity with, with our contracts. We've already made commitments to people so we can keep you on, but we can't, you don't have a guaranteed spot on this team. So then I got, so then I was like, all right, fuck, like, what am I doing? I got an opportunity to go to France and I was like, all right, let me just go to France. I feel very kind of like over the sport. I kind of feel like I've gone through the, the motions with it. I'm not, I've, it's clear that I'm not going to be making the NHL anymore. And like, that was my dream. And so if that's not my dream, if that was my dream, what are my goals right now? And if my goals now are to make good money and enjoy and really have fun enjoying the game, um, are either of those happening right now? And when I kind of felt like the enjoyment was not as much there, everybody knows that when you're in the East coast, the the money part of it is definitely not uh, like a big component. I was like, all right, let's go to France. Let's enjoy like this last kind of like year in France and just try and like, spend that time away while I'm playing away from the rink, learning what the stuff is that I do want to do. So I went to France. I immediately kind of, I immediately within a month started a podcast. That was the first thing that I did. And then I started going harder onto my Instagram, not necessarily as a business, but just like really learning what it takes to actually take it serious as if it was like my full-time business. So I was trying to post every day, trying to stay super, super active on my Instagram stories documenting like what was going on in my day to day. And my girlfriend, who's now my fiance at the time, her stuff was kind of starting to climb. And so I was helping her with that while I was playing. And so I knew towards the end of that season in France, I knew like, all right, I'm going to like jump into social media. I don't know what it's going to be. It might be my podcast. It might be me like creating content, but I know I'm going to go hard into social media. And so that was what I did when I retired. I immediately was like, this is my thing now. I did take personal training up. So I started training people at like side income to make sure I was making some money. Um, but it was that, and it was social media or uh, social and posting content, trying to work with some companies there. Um, and so to answer the question, I had somewhat of an idea. I didn't know exactly what it was going to be, but I knew in my intuition that it was going to be something along with content. Right. That's a beautiful story just because love is kind of what uh, started you as far as helping uh, your girlfriend now fiance um, with her platform. And that's obviously a big part of what you do now. And that, that was kind of, uh, you know, always um, kind of natural progression, I guess, for you in that sense. Um, totally. You, you talked about learning uh, kind of what goes into success on these platforms and, and kind of learning that. What, uh, what in your in your mind, what do you think you need in order to have success in your field or if there's any specific focuses in terms of self-education that you think uh, are important to set yourself up on the right path for a chance uh, at being successful in that field? So specifically in the field of social media, I think it's just like the best the best way to learn is to try by like actually being a practitioner and posting content and seeing what works. A lot of people, including myself, before I started going really hard in it, tried to learn hacks and best practices and listen to people talk about it and how they built theirs. But you really can only learn so much without actually doing it. It's almost like working out. Like you can read about push-ups and squats and deadlifts and build out a sick program. But really the only way that you build that muscle is by like actually going in and trying shit and figuring out what works for you and how to lift properly and all that. And so it's literally the same exact thing as building, as doing content or any sort of a business around it is like, you got to just try, you got to learn, you got to test things out. 
if you don't want to try on your own platform because you're like, you know, nervous or self-conscious about looks, literally make a, make a fake Instagram, TikTok, whatever, and just start creating content under a pseudonym so that you feel good until you feel good with it and then start posting stuff on your regular thing. But I think trying is by far and away the best way that you learn uh, as, a, as a practice. Right. And I mean, with it being relatively new, even still, um, like you said, there's not really a blueprint for it. And then I think you touched on it a little bit earlier that, uh, you know, it matters on your personality a little bit too, right? As far as what you, uh, what you're comfortable sharing, you know, what kind of, what's your avenue as far as what messages you're trying to deliver and and where you kind of want to go with that. And, um, you know, I think that's a great analogy with working out very simple to understand, um, you know, how that would translate uh, towards content creation and, and social media. Um, you work with a lot of creators. Uh, what would you say separates good from great? Dude, that's a really good question. Um, I would say now, because the landscape of content is changing, like um, if you asked me that question 10, 10 months, uh, not 10 months ago, if you asked me that question a little longer, maybe four or five years ago, I would say the content needs to look very aesthetically pleasing. It needs to be like the, the, the color and the, the, the way that it's shot needs to be like pretty clean. I'd say uh, it needs to appeal as if it's like a very like aspirational like lifestyle. Um, and it needs to, and it needs to look really nice that so you can post it so that people think that you're doing well. Like that would literally be like the, the framework of what content is on Instagram five years ago. All the people that were popping off on Instagram were posting shit that looked really edited and really nice. Now, if you ask me what makes a great creator, I'm like, it needs to be authentic. It needs to be almost like shot on an iPhone where it's like very underproduced. It does not need to be like very nicely edited and done. It needs to be relatable and it needs to give off a, a vibe of value where the audience, the person that's seeing it is actually like taking something away from it that like adds to their life. That can't be the aspirational lifestyle that like they can never attain. And they're just following you through escapism so that they don't have to like live in the, the life that they're living. That's the way that it works now. It needs to be those kind of values. Um, and that really, for me, is what makes a great creator. And so the creator look is completely changing into a more of like a regular person than like somebody that has a really sick camera and like lives in a mansion and like drives a sick car. So that's kind of what I look for now. Right. So perfectionism was kind of, or like a kind of modeling a, a perfect lifestyle in all aspects, whether it be from the content itself to just the, the type of content being produced to, towards now where things are a little bit more authentic and we've kind of come back to, to where things maybe a little bit more realistic as far as how people actually live in their lives. And it's not so much about, uh, you know, really trying to doctor things up and make things uh, yeah. just, just a highlight. Yeah. These platforms choose what is prioritized. Instagram chose that filters and highlight reel and like really aesthetically pleasing content was going to be what they prioritized. TikTok went a different way. They went with things that are underproduced, that are raw, that are relatable, and that look pretty scrappy. And now because of that, that they've prioritized that now people feel compelled to go on that platform and post because they feel like they can do it. On Instagram, that people didn't feel like they could do it 
because they felt like there's no way that I can post this. I live in a small apartment. I don't live in a massive mansion with amazing lighting and I have a nice camera. So it comes down to the platforms. And now we're at a point where it's almost like anybody can do it, which is an amazing place. Right. Yeah. And I think so as far as uh, being user-friendly, it was a little bit more inviting on our TikTok made it a little bit more inviting as far as um, the, the bar being set, not quite as, as high maybe to, to get involved and to get into sure. things. Um, what type of attributes do you think the hockey players naturally possess uh, from their time with the sport that transitions well to, to social media? And, and how often do you, does your experience uh, being a hockey player factor into to what you do now? Sorry, I got a helicopter that's going over my house right now. Um, <laughs> attributes. I mean, I think um, when I think about typical hockey player, including myself, I think um, hard work is one of them, which is so underutilized or underrated in business uh, and just in, in building a company. If I, I didn't have the work ethic that I did, um, there's no way I would be able to do what I do. And I, and I don't say that, and it's, it's something that comes natural to me, uh, plus something that I try to work, work at. And definitely when I was in, uh, when I was just starting out my playing career, I was not a dude that was like the guy that was just always hardworking. Um, it's something that I had to like work at, but I think that is something that, that if we're talking about general hockey players, hard work, um, almost like, you know, just like people that just show up and do an honest job and just like they get the job done and they're willing to, and they're willing to be flexible and they're willing to kind of like work together as a team. I would say like, that is another thing. Like the team component is something that is great that lends really well to, I think with in the same conversation that we're having of like content that is prioritized right now is the stuff that gives people value that is like, you're trying to build that relationship with your audience that you would with a teammate or with a person that you're playing with. And so the way that you communicate to them is something that is really important. And I think hockey players are natural at doing that because they have to, you have to learn that when you're in a team environment. So there's a ton of things, dude. I, I mean, I honestly believe that if, if hockey players went harder into content and were more open to it, I do think that they could build massive audiences because I think that the, the guys that I played with were such good dudes that would be so great in content that people would love to watch them and learn more about them. Um, and so I think that, yeah, if you're listening to this and you're wondering if you should start posting content, I'm like a 100%, I think you should. Yeah. And that, uh, that kind of jumps right into my, to my next question for you is, was how would you go about building your platform? If you were, if you were currently playing maybe more specifically just about hockey itself, you know, like what, uh, um, hockey content, not necessarily lifestyle stuff, which I think, um, you know, is like, as you said before, is a little bit more trial and error, but, but something that's uh, a little bit more in your wheelhouse with the hockey content. Yeah. Good question. If I was playing right, if I was playing right now, and this is at any level, not, not NHL, not minors, like it would literally be for anybody that's playing right now, I think just showing what like days in your life look like. So literally just go take clips film two second clips on your camera roll throughout the day of just like different things that you're seeing, different places that you're at, what you're eating, how you're working out, like all of that stuff. In, upload all of them to TikTok and let it just like auto create like a video for you. And then just literally write day in my life as a pro hockey player or as a blank hockey player. 
And just that's one thing that is just so simple. Literally, is you just taking 10, two second clips throughout the day. The second thing would be everybody loves to hear about where, how you got to where you are and how you're working on going to where you want to go. So like, if you're comfortable with talking into the camera, like literally just being like, yo, this is my story. My name's so-and-so I grew up playing here. Now I'm playing in this place. One thing that's really important to me that I had to learn to get to the level that I'm playing at is X, Y, and Z becoming, you know, my work ethic. I really had to work on my work ethic. Here's how I did it. I made a planner and like, I tried to stick to my goals and try to the process of how you're getting to where you're going is what everybody wants to be a part of. Right. And so that's what you should document. Yeah. That's wicked, man. Um, I think that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's so true because no matter if you made it or you're on your way, um, you're always on your way, right. You're always working. You're always, uh, improving. There's never, never really a, a getting there moment. You know, I think, uh, the people that work the hardest set out that those kind of things know that, um, it's, it's an everyday thing. It's a, it's a constant improvement. And, and now we'll touch on that in a little bit about personal development, but, um, kind of want to stick uh, with the content creation just for now. And, um, you know, you're obviously someone that gets contacted frequently by up and comers and interested, interested individuals. What catches your eye when it comes to collaborating? I mean, you obviously have a little bit more say as far as who you want to collaborate with. What, what catches your eye when it comes to that? Um, I feel like right now I feel pretty good about where feeling my like own values and like what my own values along with what my content, uh, is. So like what, how it's viewed and like the kind of categories that it's in. And so the first thing that I look at is this, is this company, a company that I would actually use and like, is it something that my audience would find value from and something that I'm aligned with? like the first and foremost thing if that happens then it's like okay cool now we can kind of talk about this but if it's if you end up doing things that aren't aligned with your own values internally it's the quickest way to losing your audience because that you're showing them you by choosing the people that you're endorsing in your on your pages and so if you don't actually care about it and you're just doing it for the money that's the quickest way to lose trust with your audience because they can sense that and also because that's those are your people. That's like, it's, it's, a, it's like lying your, to your teammates, you know? So you want it to be something that aligns with, with you. And it's something that you actually genuinely would use or something that you genuinely feel like your audience would find value from. And so that's what I look at first. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I think the, a great takeaway is, is being authentic. And, um, you know, I think maybe a lot of people just, as we talked about, you know, if you're late to the party a little bit, or you're a little bit behind as far as being current with where social media is at, um, you kind of have that who wants to, who wants to watch me, um, you know, you're thinking that you have to kind of go above and beyond or kind of create something that's not necessarily um, needed, you know, it's, it's more so just about being exactly who you are, and that there is an audience for that. And there's, there's a huge audience, you know, I think, especially as hockey players, there's an interest uh, in what we do uh, by default, you know, just being involved with sports. Um, and, you know, I guess you've mentioned before that there's so many personalities, great personalities. And I think, um, you know, when you see media clips of, of hockey players, especially um, in the past, you know, it's always been about keeping that that image, right, about, uh, you know, never saying anything that's going to um, create too much chaos and then just kind of keeping it by the book. And, and um, there's so much to offer that that is within the dressing room as far as personalities and, and what guys have to offer and that that's actually very valuable when it comes to this space. Um, I agree. Completely agree. 
Yeah. So I, from, from a business sense, uh, how beneficial do you think is it to, to work with other, others as opposed to, to going out alone? I know um, for me, I've kind of started my journey um, with entrepreneurial uh, endeavors and, 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 you know, sometimes working alone just kind of seems it, it can be a little bit difficult. You know, I think, uh, you know, I always think, okay, maybe I benefit from, from having someone else. How important do you think uh, being able to work with others uh, and, and, and as opposed to going at it alone? Dude, that's another great question. Um, I think it working with others depends on how you feel about the process yourself. So I think, and I'm talking about specifically like hiring other people or having co-founders or whatever. Um, for me, I'm somebody that I like to be like a single founder. I don't necessarily like having, I don't necessarily like having co-founders at this point in my life saying that there's no way I could do what I'm doing right now if I didn't have a support system and if I didn't have other people that I went to with all of my issues or questions or things. And if I didn't have people that were actually getting, that I was hiring that were like working with me or being, you know, contracted in for projects or being like pulled on for different things. So the, the bottom line of all of that is with anything that you're doing in business, you have to have a support system. It doesn't necessarily need to be a co-founder but it needs to be people that you can go to that are resourceful, that you can go to with things when you kind of feel like you need help. Um, and it might just be like a question on something small. It might be like a bigger, you know, project or something that like you just don't feel like you can tackle with by yourself. But um, it's super important to have those things like this. Your support system is the way that you're able to move efficiently. And so, yeah, I think it's really important. Yeah, an excellent point, I think, with efficiency, because that I think, um, especially starting out, that can be a big thing is, is not uh, being able to keep momentum and just kind of getting stuck along the way as far as, okay, this is what I want to do, but uh, without, you know, maybe being able to turn to someone that has a little bit more experience than you or, or even someone that's trying to do the same thing as you, you know, those ideas can really uh, help keep the ball going and keep the momentum going. And I think um, from what I've uh, experience so far. Momentum is, is so key as far as being able to, to grow on these platforms. I agree. Completely um, agree. What, uh, what's a day in, in your life look like? I mean, what, uh, and what separates a good day from, from an off day for you um, as far as maybe not necessarily as much personally, but more professionally? Yeah. Uh, so my day right now, what it looks like is I'm a huge morning routine person. So in the mornings, I don't do, I don't talk to anybody. I don't see anybody. I don't take calls. I don't uh, get on my computer. I take basically from, I, wait, I, wake, I try to wake up at like six um, around there. Uh, from there until like 9am, nobody hears from me. Sometimes I'll go and I'll like get a workout in with a friend or something like that. But um, in terms of like business type stuff, I just don't do any of that because um, at around after nine, it, it starts to get pretty hectic and I need that kind of like morning to like reset and kind of like phase into my day and slowly kind of like move into it. So in that morning, I'm doing things like working out, going on a walk, meditating, drinking water. I try not to drink a ton of caffeine before nine. So I'm not like going, getting coffee typically. Um, but just like really just taking the morning to myself. And then in terms of like my actual business day right now, I'm running at like probably nine ish meetings per day with people that are outside of the company. We start with a meeting that is 
my like internal team members. Um, most of the time I have people working from my actual house, which is like our home office. So we'll work from here. So we'll meet at the beginning of the day. Then we'll go. Uh, I try to immediately film content before all of my meetings. Cause when I'm done with all my meetings, I end up being a little bit too tired to go and film stuff. So typically I'm like filming content right away. And then after I'm done filming, then I jump into meetings and I go for meetings from 1130 until about four. It's just kind of like back to back. Um, and then after that, I kind of like ease off. I do, I, I'll get lunch. I'll go and back to the computer and kind of finish up anything that I needed to do after that. And then I'm pretty good on like morning and night routines, like 7 PM ish. I cut it. I don't, I'm not working until midnight. I'm not like on my computer super, super late unless I want to be. Um, but I'm pretty like strict at like trying to like do a little bit of a morning routine and a little bit of a wind down every single day. But that middle, that middle from nine till like four is just pretty move. It just moves pretty quick. Right. Yeah. That's uh, and that's kind of right into to, to my next point. I think that's one that's uh, for, from a hockey player's perspective, that seems uh, crazy. You just think about like video meetings and things like that to, to be doing that for, for that, you know, 1130 to four time block, you know, back to back, um, you know, uh, that's uh, impressive is, is the first word I think that I would think of um, as far as doing that on a, on a daily basis. Um, and it, I learned it though from, I think I learned it from sports though, dude, it's crazy. The amount of things that are very tangible from sports to immediately to business and just the way that you operate, maybe not all sports, pro sports. I don't know, but the, like my, the way, when I started to learn how I started doing time blocking when I was playing, cause you would wake up and you would have, you know, you check in at 10 at the rink, you have a practice, leave at 1230 or one o'clock or whatever. And then you have the rest of the day that you're like, what am I going to do for the rest of the day if I don't have a game that night? And so I started being like, I want to, I want to make my days like beneficial. So I'll go to the rink when I get home from rink from three till five, I'm going to, you know, listen to a podcast and do this or go meet up with people and try and learn about this or whatever it was. I just like started time blocking um, and that was really beneficial for me. And now that's just kind of like taken to the next level with all the scheduling for my business day. Right. That's really interesting. Cause I, I, I find that difficult a little bit with the hockey schedule. Just, you know, you, you have game days, you have days after games, um, you know, and there's not, you don't really have the same um, you can't, it's hard, I guess, to, to have the same routine, but just kind of having um, those time blocks and actually, you know, kind of having a little bit of a focus, I think, um, would be super important, you know, just kind of to be able to, to stay productive um, within a hockey schedule because um, there is a lot of downtime, but there is so much fluctuation between a game day, you're up till maybe two, three in the morning after a game, um, you know, and then the next day that maybe doesn't flow quite the same way, but being able to, to time block like that, you know, you're really still able to get in the things that you do want to get in. Um, how yep. much would you, how much would you say, investing in personal development plays a factor and as far as success that you've had and and when did you start experimenting with those uh techniques was there lots of trial and error uh before you began to understand what worked for you or were you able to kind of probably it's it's probably the most important thing because all of business that is my own kind of perspective of it um all of entrepreneurship is just you learning how to work with yourself and learning how to the the business side of it actually like launching a product actually like building a company all of that if you stick around with it long enough and you're out there and you're like giving it effort and you're meeting with people and you're open to taking suggestions like 
and you lead with it from a good place, eventually you figure it out. Eventually you figure out something that works for you. It might not be a billion dollar company, but eventually you figure it out. But what ends up happening is it, entrepreneurship is not an easy thing. So you end up going through it and you start to, you start getting faced with things with yourself. That's like, Oh shit. Like, am I, is this going to work? Are people going to like it? I'm running out of money. And all that is like internal battles. And so people are like, Oh, I'm, I'm done with this. Entrepreneurship's not for me. I'm out. And so it's 100% a massive thing to be working on self development. And like, if you're open to that, and that is something that you prioritize. So entrepreneurship is a very, very good way for you to learn how to work with yourself. Because at the end of the day, that's all that it is as a business owner is you working with. Right. Yeah, no, that's, uh, and you come a little bit face to face, right with with your own self um, through that journey, that entrepreneurial journey, where everything, as you said, you mentioned, um, you know, am I running out of money or, you know, if you're launching a product, is, is this good or not? Those are all similar questions that I think as individuals, you ask about yourself, right? About, um, you know, maybe being concerned about the way you look or the way, you know, you're dressing or just being totally authentic with your personality. And that that is kind of all on display in entrepreneurship and, and keeping that uh, momentum, bringing that back up again. But um, this is very similar to, to the personal journey, which, um, you know, I think that that's, uh, that's pretty huge. Um, my last question for our, I got two questions more for you, but uh, well, for, for uh, any advice you'd have for hockey players that are thinking of transitioning into the same industry that you're in right now. Um, because I know a lot of guys, you know, they, maybe they play an extra year or two and, and going back to your story and, and kind of being faced with maybe a similar situation where you could have kept playing um, for another year or two, but you, you know, decided to do it. And I think maybe there's a lot of question marks. What kind of advice would you have for, for guys that are looking to get into the social media industry? Yeah. Great question. My advice would just be open-minded to it. Like, you know, go, like if you have any sort of inclination that it's something that you want to do, go and test it out. Like there's no, there's no rush for you to immediately go and work a job that, it, you know, is maybe you've been told to go and try and do, or maybe that you already do feel like part of you wants to go work that job, but are also part of you wants to try and do social media. That job will still be there go try it out, go like test, see how you feel with it. If you don't, like I was saying, if you don't feel like posting something to your public account that all of your friends and other teammates follow, go make a fake fucking account and just try and make videos that you have fun with and see how you enjoy it. You might actually really like it. And so it, that's, that's as like an actual career. But I would also say in social media, the most, the, the, the biggest upswing of jobs is going to be the people that surround the creators so if you know people that are doing social media, if you know people that want to be the people in front of the camera and you can go and be that person's business partner, help them with their finances, help them with their operations, help them with their administrative stuff, help them with whatever it is. And they're the, fa the face of it. And you don't want to be, but you want to be in that kind of a world. There's so many of those jobs that are popping up left and right. So that's another thing to think about. But I really think it's just it really is just being open-minded to it. Like we, we are conditioned to be like social media is bad. It's only negative. It's not good for you, which there is a lot of that, but there's also the whole opposite side of it, which is it's amazing. It gives you so many opportunities and it's a legitimate, legitimate potential career uh, that has a lot of legs. So I would just say really try and be open-minded. Awesome, man. That's very, uh, very valuable advice, I think. And um because as you mentioned, there's, there's so many different opportunities within um, the industry. That's not necessarily just tied behind uh, being the one in front of the camera, right? And there's 
a lot of uh, skills as hockey players that do translate. And I think, um, you know, being able to, to surround yourself just within the industry. And like you said, just being out there and trying different things um, really gives you that opportunity to see what's out there because it's not just uh, one facet. There's so many different uh, opportunities that are there within. Um, For sure. What do you what do you have as far as uh, the future of the industry? What, what would you say? What, what does social media look like maybe five or 10 years from now? That's a great question. Uh, five or 10 years from now, I feel like 10, I would say there it's kind of evolved into something that's a little bit more either augmented or virtual reality where it's it. I don't think it's going to be 100 percent everybody living in goggles, but I think that the social landscape will change a little bit where it'll be more in that kind of a world where it'll be more, it'll be more, even more realistic. Um, I think creators and social in, in terms of like social media, like influencers, I don't see that ever leaving. I think that that is something that just continues to rise. I think that personal brands continue to rise and be more impactful because people relate to a person more than they relate to a company. And at least for now. And so I see that. So I think just social media is just going to get bigger and bigger and personalities on it are going to get more and more and more opportunities. So, yeah. That's wicked. That's wicked. Um, there's so much, uh, so much amazing information that you shared. Um, I want to thank you so much because this is, um, you're a guy that I'm really excited to have on. Like I said, I think there's so much current value and, and just going forward, um, you know, it's just going to get bigger and bigger as far as what you do. And I think um, there's so much opportunity for hockey players, something that I, I've seen myself, but obviously there's, um, uh, I have those questions myself. And I know a lot of guys just from being in the room and, and just talking to guys um, that have questions like these are just, you know, a lot of kind of unknowns and you can kind of go online and, and, and see, you know, YouTube things, you can go on the platforms themselves and, and try and uh, research, but it, it can be difficult sometimes. And to hear from a guy that that's played the game that spent his life, um, you know, being a hockey player and then, and then finding a way to successfully transition, um, you know, I think is, is so valuable. And I'm, I'm just very thankful uh, for you and, and the time that you spend here and, and um, just kind of your thought behind the questions too. I think, um, you know, you're doing a great thing out there. I think uh, you're probably the most followed guy uh, by hockey players for sure. Um, you know, everyone I know, when, when social media kind of gets brought up, I think your name gets brought up and it's always uh, brought up with such a, uh, in such a positive way. I think everyone admires um, what you do. And I think you're kind of like, uh, you're kind of like, uh, as far as, I don't know, you know, if you want to put on a, here at the top of the top of the list, as far as guys that want to get out there and they see maybe a mold of it and see, see how possible it is. I think um, you're one of the best examples that there is uh, out there. So, so thank you so much. Fuck, bro. You're making me a fucking emotional. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> I really no, yeah. appreciate it because I really appreciate it because I legitimately think that it is a real career. I mean, I'm proving that right now. It is a legitimate career for people. And like, you're just not taught that as an athlete, even at, specifically as a hockey player, you're not taught that. And so um, being able to be influential in that way to people is like that's very, very impactful for me. That means a lot to me. And, uh, and so dude, I appreciate you having me on always good to connect with you too. And, uh, we go, we go way back, like before even junior is back. Uh, and so I, uh, I'm glad that I was able to do this with you. And I hope that there's some people that listened that kind of took some value from it. Absolutely. I know, I know they will. Um, and just a tradition here, um, on coffee, chew and a chat, 
um, with coffee and the chew part of it, uh, a local restaurant and cafe that, that you frequent that you want to give a little love to, you know, things have been uh, challenging over the last couple of years. And I think a lot of people have done a lot of great work and have been um, shown a lot of humanity as uh, to, to people and, and someone from the restaurant sector and someone as far as a cafe that you want to give a little love to um, and that we can shout out, tag them on social media and um, let them know that, you know, JT Barnett uh, goes there. He loves going there um, and show a little love. Love that, bro. So the cafe that I'm actually going to shout out is like our local that is right by my house. Uh, it's called Saatchi and it's, uh, it's a family owned one, two sisters. They're amazing. Um, and we can walk to it and we go to it all the time. So that's the cafe. And then kind of a hybrid of a cafe, but they serve a little bit of food too, which is another one of the places that I frequent is called Little Lunch, which is actually a friend of mine's place um, that is, two of my friends. Uh, husband and wife couple uh, that that own it and they are just like amazing people as well I spent so much time over there so both of those places are now like places I frequent that I'm super grateful for the stuff that they do awesome so if you're and what uh, is there a certain certain part of LA that that they're located in Venice Venice both All in right. Venice. so if you're in Venice Saatchi and little lunch should give them a show because um as you say you go there if quite you a bit go to, if you go to either of those there's a large chance that i'm probably there well there you go i'm sure a lot of people love that opportunity to meet you but um if not those are two two great spots i'm sure um a guy like you with some great taste and once again i want to thank you a lot uh for coming on the the show and um it's great to catch up with you like you said we go back a long ways and um you know i'm always uh always following you along on social media and i'm I'm always uh, really happy to see how much success you've had and that, you know, you've been able to, to turn this career and kind of pave the way for, for a lot of guys. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it again. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please like, share, subscribe, or leave a review down below.